Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another week. Another week. I say that like we do this every week, which we clearly do not. But welcome to Clobbering Time. Uh, my name is Tom Bryan. I am a uh, an editor for Stereogum.com and a writer for various other places. And uh, here with me is my uh, my co-host, who's about to go out on tour. It's, uh, it's Damian Abraham. Hi, Damian. Hello. How's everyone doing? I'm, uh, yeah, I'm about to hit the road. About to take Turned Out of Punk. Uh, on that on that great open highway across America, <laughs> you know? and uh, and we also we have a special guest here this week at the beginning of the show, which we don't always do, but uh, here with us for the first time, uh, we are very happy to welcome Bob Bruno, who is in the van Best Coast. How's it going, Bob? Good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it is a pleasure. So. Um, we we have a, a you know it's a big week in wrestling every week in wrestling seems like a big week these days but um just real quick uh because i didn't know you were a wrestling fan bob until damien told me how, how long have you been uh been nerding out for this stuff uh i got into wrestling pre hogan when wow. bob Backlund was champion uh just the very tail end of that and uh on and off, but mostly on. I've been a fan ever since then. You weren't in New York or you know the the territory that for that stuff, were you? Or were you? No, I was. I was out in L.A. Uh, but you know, we got the TV, and then later with uh, USA Network showing MSG shows and and stuff like that. Um, I got to watch a good amount of wrestling. Nice. So you you were you always like a WWF kid then? Yeah, um, for one, they we didn't get a lot of uh, you know Georgia or whatever any of the other programming. Uh, if I would go stay in the Bay Area, I could catch AWA when I was up there. Um, but yeah, that was pretty much my only choice growing up in Los Angeles was that, and I didn't mind. But uh, I did go to one house show. Uh, uh, whatever georgia championship wrestling uh which was i think and rick flair versus magnum was wow uh, that was the headline match and bad dusty and tully underneath complete with the dusty finish at the house show <laughs> that's, that's awesome. awesome well um do you get to go to shows now like is it i know you're obviously busy um but like do you do you get to, have you been to like pwg in la uh I used to go to PWG when it was a lot easier to get into the shows. Oh, really? Okay. Now it's kind of impossible, but uh, I did get to go to Bola one year, and I I caught one show pre the hall that they're doing them in now. And uh, when New Japan New Japan Dojo was out here, I would go to their shows too. 
Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, like, <laughs> I knew, uh, like, in in music, band, wrestling fan circles, Bob is known as a wrestling fan's wrestling fan. And even <laughs> I'm shocked about how deep you go. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever fully be done with it, but trimming it down lately a little bit. I'm I'm curious about this. Like, I mean, you know, it's I guess it's the same with music writers. Like, there's a fair amount of us who are, who are wrestling fans, and we all know each other, and we all whatever tweet each other about it and stuff. But uh, is this does this conversation come up a lot on the road? Like, do you, do you have like a do you guys both know like who's a wrestling fan and what band? Um, a little bit. It's mostly like people that come to see the band. Uh, that know um, okay. in wrestling, like uh, I met LSG, who uh, he just was on. I think he did the dark match for one of the Ring of Honor shows recently. But uh, he saw me wear my New Japan shirt when we played Letterman. <laughs> I, he right. reached out to me after seeing that, and uh, then he came to our Philly show, and that's how I got to meet him. Um, but yeah, uh, I know a couple band people um, that are into wrestling but uh it seems more like fans and stuff want to talk about it i, I don't know nice. for me it's the opposite like there are definitely fans that want to talk about it that's a that's a always a thing that you find after the show but i i think there's like i don't know like i, I guess i found out that you were first a fan bob through garland from oh, yeah. my cousin <laughs> uh and because he's a huge fan but then there's like you know Nikki from Nothing, and there's there's like a, who's been on the show before, and like Gerard Cosloy, and like you know Bob, you, uh, like uh, Bob Mold writing for oh, yeah. WCW. I, I talk, yeah, I talk to Bob the most probably anytime I see him. We'll we'll always talk about wrestling a little for a little bit. Yeah, it's amazing when you get that guy talking about wrestling. He <laughs> he is a wrestling fan. Wrestling fans too. Yeah, this is a conversation I have to have. I'm I, I got to meet that dude. Like, I want to meet him and not mention music at all, even though he's made a ton of music that I love. I I think he would be very happy with that conversation. Probably a lot more than if you did mention music. Yeah, yeah that would make sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who wants to talk about music, man? We do that all the time. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, you know, or Lars from Rancid, or like, there's a there's like a a good kind of swath of. And it, it does kind of come in a lot of like punk and metal and indie bands, like I, I it seems. But there's a a wide swath of punk fans. Or, sorry, punk fans, wrestling fans. Well, uh, speaking of wrestling, which is what we do on this podcast, we should. Uh, I I had a thing that I wanted to discuss. We we mentioned it a little bit before we went on air, but um, this is the week that. Donald Trump, our new uh, our new president elect here in these United States of America, has brought Linda McMahon of the McMahon family into his his White House, into his administration. She is going to be the uh, uh, I I remembered and then I forgot some in the Department of Commerce to do with she's in charge of the Small Business Bureau, I believe. Um, which is an amazing crock of shit. Like it's such bullshit <laughs> yeah. and it's so irritating and it really makes me mad. Um, obviously Donald Trump's entire cabinet is just a, a coven of vampires and n- nothing but shady and terrible people. And I don't, I, I don't know that Linda McMahon is a shady and terrible person. Like 
certainly wrestlers say nice things about her. They say she's a super nice lady. I have no reason to doubt them. But um, first off, she has no... She's a, a shit politician. She tried to run for Senate twice. She outspent her opponent in Connecticut in her last um, her last election by five to one, and lost resoundingly with more than ten percent of the vote, which is is bad. Like that's really bad. You have to be really really shitty at politics to do that badly. Um, even though you know Connecticut's a blue state, whatever, whatever. But uh, yeah, so. Like politically, like nobody wants her. Like it's as cl- plainly as that could possibly be made. It has been made twice, and um, also WWE is not a small business. It has not been a small business in many, many decades, and it's a business that is run in really shitty ways. Like I don't, you know, it's like like Michael Flynn is obviously like a worse appointment who is in charge of a more important thing. But um but I don't know anything about the inner workings of was he a Marine? The Marines? If he was even a Marine, I don't even know any of that shit. I do know like a little tiny bit about the inner workings of WWE and so anybody else can jump in here, but I'm I'm Picking up ahead of steam, uh, every wrestler for WWE is an independent contractor, which means they WWE does not pay their health insurance, which is crazy in a business that is basically predicated upon destroying your health. Uh, they have to um, file taxes in every state in which they wrestle. It's this whole like it's they're independent contractors, but they can't work for anybody else, which doesn't seem legal to me. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know about these things, but that seems like patently wrong. And, uh, and yeah, like it's all bullshit. Like they jump through hoop after hoop after hoop to not say that their employees are their employees. And now like every other fucking nasty vampire, who's going to be in this administration, this lady who's been involved in all this is going to be in charge of small businesses somehow, which is just absurd and shitty and wrong. And, makes me like wrestling less, even though it's not a wrestling story and she hasn't been directly involved in WWE for the past few years. Yeah. Also, I mean, she can't take a stunner. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Bob. I just shows you what $6 million will get you these days. Uh, yeah, that's right. She made for, a donation to the Trump foundation and that, I mean, we don't know that that's why, why, but it's, well, I think that should speak to her business acumen that she, <laughs> you know, spent all these hundreds of millions of dollars when all she really needed to do was spend six million dollars and still get into government. Yeah. <laughs> that's a solid point. Um, but this is your country. I'm going to stay out of this. <laughs> they're, they're, I, they're coming for you, man. It's, oh, uh, it's God, a, uh, wait, believe uh, me, I know. Oh, I'm scared. <laughs> But, you know, there's not much I can do right now from where I'm sitting. Yeah. I mean, it's just on the most basic level for her to backtrack when she commented on Trump's comments about women, said they were deplorable and then flip flopped and gave him six million dollars. You know, this is a company that they go out of their way to show like how inclusive they are and anti-bullying and all this stuff when she gave money to probably the biggest bully there is in the world right now. Yep. Um, it's, you know, and th- they've been doing that forever is they, they go out there more than any other company I've ever seen to try and show people like how much good they do. And, uh, you know, try and big time with just like, 
metrics from Twitter and stuff when that stuff doesn't really translate into actual money. It's I don't know. They're just I I can't deal with them anymore. Yeah, you had you said that you canceled your uh, your subscription to the WWE Network, Bob. Yeah, no more Mania or uh, any of that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's hard to watch knowing like that that went down, and I don't know. There's other hypocritical things about that company that are frustrating. Um, I still feel like there's racial inequality in that company and still stereotypical roles that they have people do. And I know wrestling has been built on that for, but you know, there's a, there has to come a time where that stops being okay. And, you know, they've toned it down a lot, but there's still things that come up and, and still things they try and hide that they've done. Uh, And, you know, you can only take so much before you just have to walk away, especially when there's so many more options, uh, for wrestling these days uh, with honestly better matches, even though there's so many people on the roster, it's probably the best roster they've had in a while. Um, I love AJ. It's really good right now. I, it's, I hear what you're saying. I'm not canceling my (laughs) subscription though. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I trust me. It's hard (laughs) thinking about it sometimes, but. But that's what you have to do, right? Like that's like that's voting with your dollars. And I think as wrestling fans, you know, like there's just like this sort of almost like part of the enjoyment of being a fan is knowing that it's not going to be very good and knowing that it's not <laughs> going to be what you really want to see. Yeah. And and I think like yeah, like I uh my wife recently made me cancel the network because of other reasons, <laughs> but uh but you know, I do think uh it's it's one of those things that, you know, if you really, you know, like, and these are, everything you're saying is completely valid. Like, I think any fan can really recognize exactly what you're talking about right now. And, and like, you that. canceled the network, Damien? This is new. Hold on. Well, I, I got, we can't, we cancel it every couple months. Like, I'm allowed to cancel it and reorder it. And, uh, it's, it's a constant struggle. <laughs> well, you do the- do you do the like new uh, email address thing to get the free month? <laughs> no, we don't have that in Canada. We have a different system up here. It comes on your we have we have a terrestrial channel that shows up on your TV. Okay, that's weird. Yeah, well, we also have our bags, uh, our milk and bags up here. So trust me, we do things <laughs> slightly different north of the border. Um, you know, it's a it's a different world up here. Uh, but yep. like, I I kind of uh, you know I I think at the same time like uh, as as wrestling fans like if you want to see a change in this pro like you said like you know like wrestling has been predicated on like sort of like playing on stereotypes and all this sort of stuff for years but so was like cinema like oh yeah you know like so was all this bullshit that eventually is changed and so yeah like it there comes a point like and i guess this kind of could go into a conversation about the whole joey styles uh situation at evolve yeah. What's what's the Joey Styles situation? Um, I don't know if you want to go into it, Bob, or I can go into it, or I don't know. It's up to you. He made a bad joke uh, in the ring on Mike, uh, basically referencing the grab him by the pussy thing in reference to was she an announcer? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, the ring announcer. And he didn't come out and say it, but he referenced it, and he had already been told, "Please don't say anything political." And uh, he went ahead and did that. And uh, that is was he Republican? Is that is that like a thing? Well, uh, he's a 
con- hardcore conservative, I've heard. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I, they used to be crazy. Like, I used to follow them on Twitter, like, and, and it was... But I think this was even... And I don't know, I might be misreading this, but I think this was just more like, you know, not even a political joke so much. It was political, obviously, but, like, it, it was just more like a just bad you mean, taste... It work? Yeah, just like a bad taste wrestling joke. Like a, yeah, just... Very sexist. Very sexist. You know. Yeah, that sucks, man. I always like Joey Styles. Yeah, that's the problem with uh, with wrestling. Sometimes when you take it, <laughs> yeah, to yeah. the people. Yeah, those old ECW shows are hard to watch. Just oh. like anything else, because of what people are chanting uh, and and what wrestlers are. And there's like so much stuff with ECW that you look back yeah. on now, and you're like, oh, that was a different time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the Joey Styles thing, and then so it it led to he got fired from Evolve, and then he got fired from what he got fired from two more companies, Chikara, and Chikara put out a big statement about it, kind of alluding to the same sort of stuff Bob just alluded to that this is there needs to be a change in wrestling, and this is the time that we can bring about this change in wrestling, and it might or Quackenbush went in to release a really kind of like long statement about this incident why they chose to do uh to do away with joey styles as their announcer and future events and stuff and it yeah like you know once again he made very very you know true points you know and and things that he was saying in there but a lot of people have kind of gone in on them and i forget the name of the other wrestling company it wasn't i believe in wrestling but it's something else like one of the big ones insane championship wrestling or no anyway one of the one of the another bigger indie fired him and and then a couple people have subsequently said you know people like jim ross and you know prominent voices in the wrestling world that these companies were piling on and blah blah blah, and making a big deal out of this thing but i don't know i i like you know i i don't think gabe was overstepping his bounds firing someone from his show and you know like I, i you know we're all in a business where if you fuck up like that there are real repercussions you know, and, yeah. and so I, I don't know, like, I kind of like, I don't want to see someone lose their livelihood, but at the same time, it's like, it, this is the entertainment business. Yeah. It's kind of a shame we can't hear Joey Styles call Joey Styles getting fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. He didn't even give him a severance package. <laughs> Oh, here we are laughing at misfortune. And 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 to be fair, Joey Styles did issue an apology and someone got injured at that Evolve show and Joey Styles, even after being fired, went and spent the whole night in the hospital with this guy to make sure he was okay. You know, like it it really does seem like one of those horrible situations where someone uh said something they really shouldn't have. And then though as Bob says, he does have some uh, you know, political views that would not necessarily lend themselves to, you know, someone having sober second thought about saying something like that. But he has apologized and seems to recognize the mistake in what he did. But he has been fired by yeah. three companies now. Wow. So, yeah, that where yeah. for all this? How did I, I'm reading the wrong websites or something. <laughs> <laughs> you just listen to the wrong podcast. You spend all your yeah, time waiting for clobbering time to come out. You got to be in the in the in the field checking out all the competition. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have enough hours in my day to listen to a whole lot of wrestling podcasts. I had to scale way back. It was, uh, it was 
it's hard. It was just too much, man. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Like I've got my, uh, I've got my list, and one of my favorite shows just came back, and I think a high benchmark for this show will be mentioned on Talking Sheets, which I don't know is a, is a podcast that either of you are familiar with, but it is a wrestling podcast about wrestling podcasts. Oh yeah, you've told me about this. Wait, are we going to be on there? Are they talking about us? No, God, not yet. What, what, what you think we're famous? Come on, dude. No, we're not there yet. We're just in bullshit like Rolling Stone. Like we aren't. We haven't made it. Like you know, you got to make it. If we're talking sheets. Talks about yeah. Um, I thought I killed the show because I brought them up when I was on live audio wrestling. And, okay. And they've then they do talk about live audio wrestling on that show. And so they talked about live audio wrestling, talking about them on the show. And I thought, and then they disappeared. So I thought I had created some weird paradox in realities. It's, it's like you, it's like uh, in Back to the Future 2 yeah, exactly. when people see each other at the same time. <laughs> exactly. There's too much shit folding in on itself. Like Time Cop, you're, you're, you're going to melt now. You're going to like see your podcast self. I look at the, I look at my my podcast app on my phone and I can just see the talking sheets app slowly fading away. Allo the Polaroids in back to the future. Yep. Yep. Um, um <laughs> so anyway, that's a digression. Sorry about that. Well, Strictly observer if, over here. That's, oh, that's it. That's your only one. That's enough for me. I oh. mean, I, I've, I've been a subscriber now, like almost 20 years. So yeah, well, I'm just used to them. It's the industry standard. Yeah, uh, do you, well, did you ever listen to Keep It Keep uh, Keeping It One Hundred, the Conan one? Uh, no, but I've he's been on a bunch of the Observer shows, and I've listened to uh, I, I've heard like an episode or two of uh, one of his podcasts. On on the latest episode, they start off the show with a clip of Dave Meltzer having Conan on one of his old Colin shows just after he got fired from WCW. <laughs> and it might be like the funniest 30 seconds of audio I've heard this week. <laughs> it's <is> incredible. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah, no, I'm I like, you know, obviously Dave is, uh, the, the standard by which, uh, all wrestling watches are set. Man, we got to stop talking about podcasts. No, yeah. pod, wrestling podcasts. I would say at this point are like, as uh, essentially part of, wrestling community as fanzines are to punk music word well, that's probably true you know yeah, definitely. yeah like it's it's amazing how many wrestlers are involved in them how and, and then you look at the charts on itunes it's it really is like a a, a part of the landscape at this point like it no it's true i'm just saying that we're like I, I, I try to think in terms of the people who might be listening to this podcast <laughs> and not want to hear about other podcasts. Sure they do. They, 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 they like the meta. <laughs> Fine. We don't have to. I was about to go on a 30-minute rant about uh, my favorite wrestling podcast, but you're right. We should move on. Well, I want to I hear your different 30-minute rant because we <laughs> yeah. are, we're talking about uh, wrestling and it's, uh, I don't know, social responsibilities or lack thereof. And uh, I haven't watched Raw this week, but you did, and you had some problems with one of the storylines. Well, I don't think it's necessarily even problems. I just had problems with it from, like, not a not a political standpoint, but I just think even more just, like, a taste in what I like to see in my wrestling standpoint. There was mm-hmm. this 
whole Enzo-Lana storyline, which did start a, a couple weeks ago with Enzo, for some reason, being naked in the hallway. Oh, yeah, because his, his friend had decided to lock him out of their locker room while he was buck naked. Um, and he ran into Lana. And that he, seems like something that, like, Cass would do to Enzo. That seems believable to me. It does, but, like, it wants... I don't know, and it's... This and I know this is like the the worst thing to complain about. Like this is almost like complaining about why guys bounce off the ropes. But <laughs> I fucking hate this this like camera. Is it like non diegetic or is it extra diegesis or is it in like or do the, is it does it exist in the reality? Like these camera guys because like. Then this Man, week, I write for a living and I don't know what that means. Well, like, I mean, like, it's like, is it in the filmic reality? Like, do they know the camera people are there? Are the camera people there? Because, like, sometimes they're there, sometimes they're acknowledged, rarely at this point. Like, it seems like they're now just like this, like, weird, unseen eye that allows us to observe on these people's lives. But, but you know, like, sometimes they do direct address to the cameras, so. But, like, this week it culminated, and the reason I bring up this camera thing is because, you know, it culminates with this angle where Cass is somehow roped into thinking he's going to wrestle Rusev while Lana has convinced Enzo that they're going to go hook up in in her hotel room. It seems, like, recapping this sounds stupid. Um, It's some deep, like, attitude era type shit, right? It is. It is. And then it it cuts to, you know, Cass realizes what's going on when uh, Rusev's music keeps playing over and over again and Rusev never comes out. And he starts looking for a cell phone so he can call uh, Enzo and warn him that he's walking into a trap. And he calls him and then it cuts, you know, and on the Titantron, you can see Enzo looking at his phone. He goes, oh, unknown number. And just puts it back in his pocket and keeps walking. But there's like, now there's a camera crew there. And then he knocks yeah. on Lana's hotel room door. And now the camera, it's like a reverse shot. So the camera's in her room now. And it's its like, I know that's the smallest thing to complain about. But it really it's took stupid, me out of the and show. And it doesn't have to be that stupid. Like, they no. can come, like, Lucha Underground has rules, right? Like, Everything that doesn't happen in the ring on Lucha Underground, all their like cinematic like backstage segments, which are amazing, like the rest the the audience doesn't know about that. They don't have they don't show it on a big screen out there, and the announcers also don't know about it. Like they'll show something, and then like a character will be introduced in a backstage segment, and then they'll come out to wrestle, and the announcers will be like, "We don't know anything about this person," like. Well, we, the audience, know that they're like a 5,000-year-old demon who was just summoned by a mystical stone or whatever. Lucia Underground's the fucking best. It's so good. Yeah, it is. I mean, that's another problem with WWE that I have is, I mean, granted, a lot of kids watch it, but, man, they must think so little of their fans by, like, mm-hmm. doing, having to always comment on something instead of letting, like, the way Lucha Underground does is just presenting something and they know you know you understand what's going on without Michael Cole or somebody explaining the whole thing for the next twenty minutes that you just yeah. saw. That's true. It's nice. It's it's nice to not have that. And, and while we're bitching about WWE, can I just say like get Mauro Ronaldo like the fuck out of here? Like just get rid of him. I Whoa. never want to hear his voice again. What hot I take? Love- oh. 
<laughs> sucks so much like severe asshole. It's ridiculous. Like the like. All right, this has been building with me for a while. I have like an extreme amount of. I'm just bitching on this episode about stuff. I have good things <laughs> I want to say. I swear to God. But like, it, so during the Cruiserweight Classic, like the first night of the Cruiserweight Classic, um, uh, Grand Metalik drops an elbow on somebody, and Morrow goes. Like the rapper designer, Grand Metalik is the macho like Randy. Like what? Like that's like a different analogy that you just made an analogy to, and it didn't make any sense. And you just said it so you'd say cool because you sound cool because you know who a rapper is. Like no, dude. Like shut up. It's I hate that shit so much. Like every time he says what a major key is, like DJ Khaled is says the words major key less often than Mauro Ronaldo does. It's, it's, it's not a salvageable situation for me at this point. Like I need him to disappear. Uh, I, I can't hate on Mauro having been such a huge pride fan and, and I, him and Josh Barnett on new Japan when they were doing that. Like that on I, new Japan? Like, cause I never watched that show. What's that? Were they like that on new Japan? Like, did he talk that like dumb shit all the time? No, on, on New Japan, it was more just any little wrestling history, especially about Japanese wrestling, any okay. tip that he could throw in to kind of educate the new audience that they have. Uh, that so was mostly... Maybe they've told him not to do this, and so he's been like, I'll discuss rappers instead. Who knows? He could be getting fed that stuff. He's not. There's no way. <laughs> it's, man say, talk about designer, Moro. Talk about on, designer. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, not Vince, but. You, you need know. to mention YG. <laughs> I hear the kids I like that. Those guys get, you know, considering he doesn't really do it in any of the other things I've seen him do. There's got to be some, at least some kind of directive or something. I he, think- I swear to fucking God, he sits there like because I've known writers like this. You sit there with a notepad and you come up with some like dumb fucking like reference you want to make. And you sit there all proud of yourself and you write it down and then you try to like crowbar it forcefully into a conversation (laughs) where it doesn't fit. I hate it. I mean, you might start to lose your mind if you were stuck doing commentary with JBL and uh, whoever else. Otunga, is that who they have them with now? Yeah, it is. I would rather hang out with JBL and Otunga. I feel like JBL would have some like interesting stories, and maybe oh, yeah. he'd like punch somebody. And Otunga is like married to Jennifer Hudson, so that's cool. <laughs> I, that's I like person, though, but like on those SmackDown when JBL was on Raw, just I cannot deal with his announcing. Oh God, that was all. brutal. That was a brutal era when he first came in. Yeah, Michael. We fight on Monday night, Michael. Just the flying goat. How many times did he say that, Jen? Just like, oh, are, yeah, you, are you he, a announcer or a baby face? Like, he would always flip-flop, you know. He'd like one guy and not like another. It was, oh, I wanted to kill myself listening to him. <laughs> I I like, I also, there's this <laughs> moment from a couple months ago where I'm watching and it's Moro and uh, JBL are this, like, conversation with each other and it's on a it's on a shot of the three of them and Otunga's just like staring off into space <laughs> like just like by himself See, now I, love JBL. I like it whenever JBL talks because it means Moro is not talking <laughs> yeah yeah I know I like I don't know like I like Moro too but I can hear what you're saying with those complaints about those 
And I think it's also, for you, it's even more nauseating because it's like you pick up on it more because you know about all this stuff. Yeah. Like, then I think, imagine, like, imagine what the average fan is thinking when they're watching it. Like, <laughs> what's the well, yeah, it's like, Yeah. It, I mean, if, if, like, I should be psyched about that, right? It's like, oh, he's talking <laughs> about my world. Like, that's cool. Except he does it in such a shitty, clumsy, ham-fisted type of way that it just, it sounds so fucking dumb. It makes me embarrassed to, like, know who DJ Khaled is. But maybe he's maybe he feels like he has to do it to compensate for the fact that the music that they have actually the music's gotten a lot better in la, last couple of years like not a lot well yeah actually a lot better yeah man you were talking about Rusev Rusev's music playing over and over again I was I was thinking that sounds kind of good yeah. like that would be a good segment just to hear that Rusev song a bunch of times no and the entrance musics are like way better now like not especially in NXT obviously and uh, I think. Uh, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm excited about what the uh, the, the music future holds, and maybe Morrow is just uh, a little overexcited. <laughs> He's like, I heard they're bringing in DJ Mustard. <laughs> I'll convey my excitement by making shitty oblique references. <laughs> oh, why poor Morrow? Um, I, although. I gotta say, WWE's music at its worst is better than like every indie company's music. Like, New Japan has cool music, but like, what is going on at Ring of Honor, man? Like, I was watching Final Battle, and everybody has the worst theme song. Like, I don't understand how they can possibly be as generic as they are. Well, it's not like I mean, the heyday when Daniel Bryan was using "fucked up" as entrance music. But... <laughs> But, you uh, need to like call somebody at that company and be like, "I have a catalog of however many songs you guys have." Well, now Just, I've sold the publishing rights to Matador. That is not going to happen. I don't okay. <laughs> well, talk to Gerard. I think I think if Gerard was able to give music to wrestling companies uh, more willingly, we'd have more situations like John Spencer Blues Explosion in ECW. Okay. <laughs> but I don't think he's allowed. I think Progress Wrestling, you know, you'd have like uh, Marty Scroll coming out to Cat Power or something if Gerard had <laughs> was allowed to do. <laughs> was allowed to get away with giving that stuff away. To that would be so cool. That would fit his character really nicely. I know. It would be such a sick. I was just picturing it in my mind. I'm like, does that make sense? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just limited to what they can license and air on TV. Or whatever without paying a ton of money. I was watching ROH at all whatsoever. It's like when you're watching a straight to DVD action movie and like it takes place in a bad urban area and you just hear the most generic rap music playing out of somebody's car. I watch a lot of straight to DVD action movies. <laughs> this exactly. is it. They I, should get, get Jimmy Hart working for them or something. Yeah. He can do all those knockoff themes that he did for WCW. You know what's amazing? I like did Bob. Do you think Bob Mold wrote a single entrance theme? Like here they have like one of the best American songwriters, and they're like, let's get that guy from the Gentries to write a couple more themes. <laughs> I wish that would. That I would promise you, they never even had that conversation with him. <laughs> um, there's a amazing story about when Kevin Sullivan realized that it was Bob Mold from Husker Du, which means that yes, Kevin Sullivan did know who Husker Du were before he knew who Bob Mold was. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, there's like this, like weird. It's like a Nike executive, 
was like freaking out and was like, oh, Bob Mould, like, you know, you're in this band and like, that's so amazing. And he's just like, and apparently Kevin Sullivan, and I've heard this, I heard Kevin Sullivan tell this story on a podcast, but then I, I asked Bob Mould about it and he's like, no, that actually happened. And he, <laughs> Kevin Sullivan turns to him and is like, oh my God, you're in Hustler Do, that's amazing. I love your band. <laughs> Uh, that was the worst this Kevin like Sullivan. Three years into his employment at the company, or something. It was a couple years in. It was definitely uh, a while in. But I guess that's like, you know, I guess it wouldn't come up. It's not like Bob, you know, and it's not like those people would know who they were. Like, you know, I always ask Bob. Like, you, you probably asked. Have you ever asked Bob about from Bob Mold about this stuff about like which people knew who he was in the wrestling locker room? No, we always just end up talking about whatever matches <laughs> just happened. He, yeah, I always uh, he's like Raven. <laughs> Apparently, Raven was a fan, and there's like a maybe like, and Vampiro, ah, and and, and Kevin okay. Sullivan, and that was about it. <laughs> That's cool. That's a cool three people to know who you are. Yeah, like I would be, you know, and it's also so how cool is it to be able to live like a complete double life? Yeah. You know, like to be a successful wrestling writer and then also, you know, a, a successful musician. That's the dream. That's all of our dreams. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> just, Bob, you're just waiting for that Lucha Underground call. Someone give me the book. Someone give you the book. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't want Lucha Underground to change anything. No. <laughs> Whatever they have doing their writing is, is a genius. Yeah, I read a, or I heard an interesting argument Court Bauer put forward about like them not being able to utilize Rey Mysterio in that company because like Rey's uh, audience is so young and so like you know youth based, and that product is so much targeted at an older audience that they're never going to be effectively able to market Rey. But, but we love him too, you know. That's it's true. Like- like I've, you know, he's. I don't think there's anybody who watches wrestling who doesn't love Rey Mysterio. I know, but didn't you feel like when he showed up, and like that it was kind of like your favorite, beloved, childhood comic book character showing up in like a gritty, hard boiled crime novel? I, yeah, there's a little bit of that, but he's he's like I love him too. Like that's supporting not character about. in their whole story, right? Yeah. Like so he's he's not the focus, and he's. Not quite the wrestler who he used to be, although he can still do some really incredible things. And I think they use him really well. They like they treat him as this like icon, and uh, it's kind of like the way they. I mean, it's obviously very different characters, but the way they use him is kind of like how they used like Ric Flair toward the end of his like when he was still wrestling career in uh, in WWE. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like you're right. Like he's like, uh, well, and I guess that like not that Lucha Underground is a Mexican company, but by any stretch of the imagination. But at the same time, you know, like the importance of Ray to you know Mexican wrestling fans and Lucha Libre fans and just like Mexican people. Like when you're in Mexico City, you see Rey Mysterio stuff everywhere. Like I don't yeah, know. it's like they treat him as a cultural icon, which is what he is. Have you played there, Bob? Uh, Mexico City, uh, yeah, but I didn't really get to see much, um, unfortunately. But I used to go to Tijuana with my mom and check out wrestling. Not the I wouldn't go to shows, but just all the merch and yeah, stuff. Yeah, 
I got to see. A, I went to a show and Tanahashi was wrestling at it at Arena no. Mexico, but I had to leave to play some stupid music instead of seeing <laughs> Tanahashi in the main event. Oh man! I know. One of my big regrets being in a band. <laughs> You still have to see some wrestling in Arena Mexico, man. That's like I'm, uh, I'm, I'm joking. I'm fucking around. Like, oh, of course. I'm. I'm like I was so stoked it was just being there. Get to experience that that live environment was, you know, was was awesome. It would have been really cool to see Tanahashi there, though. Oh my god, like, it would have been. Fucking I awesome. feel you. Oh, would have been fucking awesome. Uh, uh, you know, like, have you actually been to any wrestling stuff when you've been on tour, Bob? No, it's always just like. On those flying shows, you know how it is. It's yep. like you don't really get to do anything. But to see wrestling in Japan is still something I really would love to do. And to, uh, to go to Ribera Steakhouse is definitely something I have to do. I got to go. <laughs> I've never been either. Yeah. It's like one do of my. Do you think it's all just like dorky international wrestling fans in there? I think now? It's, it's real wrestlers too, though. Like, because like all the wrestlers, like, you know, still go. But if you go on like a Tuesday, you're not going to see like Minoru Suzuki there, are you? Or are you? <laughs> you might like. Uh, or, is it Minoru Suzuki? Someone owns uh, their own bar, right? Oh, wow. Or owns their own restaurant. Someone like I don't know. Yo, no, this is crazy, and I don't think I've ever talked about this with you, Tom. And I don't think I've ever. I know I don't think I've ever talked about this with you, Bob. You know Kojima. Yeah. His yeah. brother is the lead singer of Tetsu Arai, the Japanese uh, hardcore band, like the legendary Japanese hardcore band. Wow. I know. Wow. I know. It's like the coolest. It might be the coolest connection I've ever heard about, like in, in <laughs> anything. <laughs> that, is, that is really cool. Do you think like Kojima would go to the shows and get in the pit and do the thing where he slaps somebody's chest 15 times in a row? Well, the, the best is like this. The reason I found this out is because this kid in Japan sent me a clipping of some sort. That's like an interview. It's like the t- it's a photo of the two of them embracing and hugging and making weird faces. <laughs> and then he translated it for me. And apparently it's Kojima being like, oh, uh, my brother is way tougher than I am. Like he's the tough one out of the two of us. So it's like, hey, you're probably better off with Kojima in the pit than you would be on stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, I've, I got to go to see New Japan at Kurgan Hall w- one time when we were there. I just lucked out twice being on tour and getting to see wrestling shows. And both times it was like, you know, like the luckiest of occurrences. And then one time... I met Nigel McGuinness at a gas station outside <laughs> of London. Wow. Yeah. It was so random. And I was really high and just could not compute in my brain how this was all happening. <laughs> huh. We were on a flight with half the roster one time, which was pretty awesome. Oh, did you talk to anyone? Uh, no, they, they were all sit- seated behind me. Beth sat next to Seamus. She got upgraded. It was funny. The only two people in first class on the roster were Alicia Fox and Seamus. Wow. Um, Did I guess she talk to Seamus? Yeah, he was kind of a dick. Um, he was like, you're in my seat. And she's like, no, I'm not. And then, so he sits down. He's like, by no means, like, are you to open that sunshade or whatever? And she's like, okay. And then, 
She didn't even know he was, and I'm texting her. I was like, that's Seamus sitting next to me. She's like, oh. But, yeah, it was like Roman Reigns was on there, Bray Wyatt, uh, Goldust, Jack Swagger, Biggie. Whoa, whoa. uh, Fandango, I think, and Titus. And probably like four other guys. You're kind of winding down with the names. Those are mostly like really big guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Titus was huge, like seeing him up close. Did they have to did they get their own seats? But like it's like one time I was on a plane with Fletcher from Pennywise and I felt Uh bad for the person that had to sit beside him. Do they sit beside each other or do they do they have like just like random strangers sitting beside each other? Some of them were together, but a lot of them were just kind of spread out. Wow. Just like, imagine you get on the plane, you're like, you know, it's like one of those three sit seat situations, and you're just like sitting on the <laughs> aisle, and there's like another person sitting by the window, and there comes Biggie Langston <laughs> sitting in the middle of you two. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Yeah, middle seat between Biggie and Titus. Or oh my God! It's just it, it just has to suck. Like I, you know, like I'm I'm taller than any of those guys. Like yeah. I'm seven feet tall, but I fly like you know three times a year tops, and it sucks. It's a whole hellish experience that I hate. <clears throat> but to be those guys and to be doing it like four times a week and be wedged into those little seats, I. I uh, Poor guys. Yeah. 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 No, and and, and, and and like that's why I think so many of them, not so many, but like whoever, the ones that can afford it, buy their, buy their own tour buses and do it that way. Yeah, that's the way yeah, to go. Yeah, like Big Show. Big Show was like the first one to do it, I think. That's, C- uh, CM Punk had one, too. Yeah. I think Randy Orton. Randy Orton, one. yeah. John Cena. What do, you think, what do you think Punk has done with his tour bus? Uh, he probably lent it out to like uh, Madball or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> I don't have, have a better one. You might have gotten it wrapped, and now it's like UFC's <laughs> CM Punk instead. Um, I don't think he has to do a lot of touring for UFC. No, no, but I mean, just driving to the store or something. <laughs> you know, like, he lives in Wicker Park. I imagine that would be just a bitch to park. Yeah, it would. I imagine downtown parking with that thing would be a bit of a nightmare. Um, yeah, like I wonder, like I wonder if CM Punk kept any of his wrestling stuff, or is just like a bad breakup, and you're just like, get the f- out, <laughs> throwing all this in the garbage. He has so much. Re- I've I've been in his house, right? He has so much wrestling stuff. Like it, it's uh, there's no way he got rid of all of it. I, I can't, I refuse to believe that he would. It's such a fucking bum out, man, because he loved it. Like, he really, yeah. like, that's that was always the impression that I got. Like, he really loved wrestling. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I think watching him and Daniel Bryan and just like the contrast in personalities in between the two, because I think both of them had. Not similar experiences, but like, you know, like reminiscent enough experiences that you can kind of compare and contrast them. And almost like Daniel Bryan's like trying to change things slowly from the inside, it feels like, especially now. Well, it's, it's, I mean, if you, if you would have had to look at it like whatever, five years ago, like, wouldn't you think that Daniel Bryan would be the one who would have an easier time walking away from wrestling? Like, yeah. you would just go live on a beach in Thailand or something. <laughs> but I think CM Punk's got that, like, 
bitter, angry, straight-edge hardcore kid to him. Where it's just like, oh yeah, I'm going to cut off my nose and spite my face. What are you going <laughs> to think about that? You know, like, like, you know, the same thing, like... The same thing when you read the old crazy interview with Ian McKay and Touch and Go fanzine where he says all that really incendiary kind of offensive stuff. You're like, <laughs> I can see that streak in CM Punk when he probably quit WWE. Not the offensive side, I mean, but I mean just like the... The Puritanism? Like, like, the yeah, like, fuck the you. All or nothing? Yeah, like, yeah. what are you going to do about it? Like, I'm just going to walk away. You can't hurt me. Um, But that, I don't know, I always felt like CM Punk, I like... Not that I could relate to him, but I just could, like, I could kind of understand a little bit of the thought process that was going on just because of, like, you know, the the whole punk rock hardcore thing. Yeah. I hope he wrestles again someday. Oh, in New Japan or something or anywhere. Or even coming, like, I could, can't you see him coming back in, like, six years? Yeah. Oh, God. I could see like him. Goldberg style. Like, the, the fact that, like, everyone's back. The fact that no one's gone. It means that, like, you know... But mind you, maybe he's going to be the one. He could he could just be the one, yeah. Just out of pure stubbornness. Like, screw you all. I'm never coming back. I'm taking my ball and I'm deflating it and going home. <laughs> it's like Johnny Ramone. When I met Johnny Ramone, he told me that, like, when he when the Ramones played their last show, he was never going to pick up a guitar ever again. And, wow. and I guess he probably didn't. Wow. Yeah. It was a weird How long was it between him playing his last show and him dying? Uh, a number of years. Like, at least. Was it really? Well, because I didn't meet him till like, two or three years after the Ramones played their last show. Four years, maybe, after the Ramones played their last show. Uh, and then he didn't pass away until the mid 2000s i think maybe the early 2000s so it must have been at least six years yeah wow yeah maybe i'm off on that a little i bit. guess he never really came off like the type of guy who'd like be like noodling on an acoustic guitar yeah. while sitting at his home <laughs> yeah like there's a I, I think i think like you know he did what he did and that's exactly what he was going to do for the rest of his life you know and and then uh and join the kkk too allegedly <laughs> Um, didn't that did not come up in the conversation? <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I, it's a uh, you know, it's a it's a it's it's CM Punk is like one of the ones that you know, like I think you know, like especially now, it's like what would be happening if he didn't go away? It's like if Austin hadn't gone away in the period that he went away, or if Shawn Michaels hadn't had to go away in the period that he went away in, how would have things been different? Like, how would this area kind of be unfolding where it's almost like the India ascension in WWE if CM Punk had been there? Or would he have just had to retire a couple of years later like Daniel Bryan did anyway, and he wouldn't have gotten to, like, do any other, like, really big thing? Like, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that too. I'm, I would never fault him for that UFC thing. Like, you know, it's like... If you, you know, like we're talking about, like if, if someone called me tomorrow and was like, hey, WWE wants you to come right for them for a few months, like, I know I'm not going to be successful at it. I know I'm not going to, you know, it's not going to end well, but I'd still do it just because it's like a dream to get to do but it. But you're also not going to, like, that's not going to lead to you getting repeatedly punched in the face in front of millions and then made to look like an asshole. Won't like, it, Tom? 
Like, there's a good, like, we've been talking about this company all episode. And how, I think there's, like, maybe, like, a 15% chance that happens. A 50, there, was, there was a 98% chance that would happen with Punk. That's true. That's true. Uh, uh, I would still take the punch of the face work there, though. <laughs> uh, would you work for WWE? I've, I've wondered about this sometimes. Like... If they, if, if you could, like, if you were going to make uh, $37,000 a year as a writer for WWE, I don't know if that's what they make. I'm just pulling that number out of my ass. Okay. Like, would that's you US. Would take a job? You have, to, you have to move to Connecticut and sometimes travel to the live shows and they cover your flights but not your hotels. You take that job? Um, yeah, probably. Because I don't, it doesn't I sound do any more grueling than uh, being in a band, you know. And you know, but you got to live in Connecticut. It might get benefits. You don't get benefits in a band. Yeah, maybe the writers <laughs> get benefits. I don't know. You don't have to get benefits. You live in fucking Canada. There's still stuff you want, you know, like dental. You know, we don't get. Oh, dental. you don't get dental. Dental's not okay. covered. We're not Europe. You know, we got a little bit of America running in us. Okay. <laughs> We have to pay for our universities, and we don't have dental covered. Um, but you know that's that's the difference. Anyway, and Bret Hart is our uh, is our Michael Jordan. Is he really? They love Bret Hart here in this country. Well, yeah, I mean they love him everywhere, but he's no. your Michael Jordan. They love love Bret Hart in this country. Well, Wayne Gretzky's our Michael Hart Jordan. Was Wayne Gretzky, down yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wayne Gretzky. All respect to the Los Angeles resident of the show. <laughs> Um, when I say that, yeah, Wayne Gretzky is our definitely our Michael Jordan, but Bret Hart is like he's up there. Like he is definitely he's certainly our Hulk Hogan in being pre racist Hulk Hogan stuff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the way this country is. I think Hulk Hogan is just back to being Hulk Hogan now. Yeah, exactly. Like America caught up to Hulk Hogan. He was he was at the vanguard. Yeah, it's like it's unbelievable to think. That like what was it like that was two years ago now, when the yeah something like that it's he like, wouldn't get fired for that today. No, he was like a it was like everyone's like oh this is the end of Hulk Hogan we might never hear about Hulk Hogan ever again, and it's like you know what he's got a good shot of being president <laughs> now. <laughs> it's, uh, and which would make the idiocracy prophecy complete. Yeah, and you know yeah. I don't think we have to worry about that happening yet. <laughs> I feel like that's that's a few more levels away from reality than we currently are. Like, although we're pretty fucking far away from it right now. It's well, you know, we got we got someone from WWE in the White House. You know, it's it's not. <laughs> would I guess looking back at it in retrospect, would President Jesse the Body Ventura now seem like such a terrible idea? Yeah. Yeah. Who would you prefer to be your president, though? Uh, What wrestler do you think would make the best president? What wrestler? Daniel Bryan. You think so? Bryan Danielson, 100%. Oh, my gosh, yeah. He seems so compassionate and and like he really thinks about stuff. I had to unfollow him because he kept tweeting about Jill Stein. Well, (laughs) see, see, his heart's in the right place. Okay, yeah, I guess. I guess if he's already president, I don't have to, like, deal with his, like, excruciating campaign. No, 
<laughs> no, you don't. And also, like, how cool, like, imagine how much shit you have to put up with to be, like, a Jill Stein supporter in a company where uh, the, you know, the owner's wife is in Trump's White House. Oh, they're probably psyched about it. They're like, yeah, keep tweeting about Jill Stein. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, go, go, go. <laughs> We're going to put these as featured tweets on Raw this week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But uh, I don't know. We got we, we had we actually had the ultimate wrestling. Well, no, you guys have a Hall of Famer. But I was going to say Rob Ford was the ultimate wrestling <laughs> uh, fan. Like during the, the whole uh, crack scandal, he had like, you know, Hulk Hogan was there. He did the arm wrestle thing with Hulk Hogan and Hulk Hogan did the job for him. That's really oh, yeah, that's great. That's when I that's when I like Hulk Hogan really lost everyone with the racism stuff. Not everyone, obviously, as we've been discussing, but <laughs> lost a lot of people. But he lost me before that when he did the job to Rob Ford because I thought like imagine if he didn't imagine if like in that arm wrestling thing if you guys remember he had that arm wrestling match with Rob Ford where Rob Ford beat him, but imagine he shot on Rob Ford and just like and just like crushed him in an arm wrestling thing that would have slammed him oh that would have made him the biggest hero in the world (laughs) if he had if he just like destroyed him in an arm wrestling match and then would have been like real heroes don't smoke crack brother (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, there's so many jokes you can make with this Hulk Hogan thing (laughs) at this point (laughs) uh we're transcendent. We should move on or something. He's going to be the Secretary of the Interior. That's, that's my prediction. Uh, I'd like it. You know, it's almost like who's next? Like what? Which? Like which rogue? It's like watching like an old Batman cartoon when they have like multiple villains in it, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, who's who's also going to be involved in this plot? It's like the Legion of Doom from Super Friends, pretty much. <laughs> just what he's assembling. Yes. Every, every supervillain. Yeah. It's like every piece of shit who you thought you'd never have to hear from him again, again like Sarah Palin or whatever. Like, oh, she's back. <laughs> yeah, she's back. She's going to get a very important job that she has no <laughs> idea how to do. <laughs> it's like when TNA did the ECW reunion. He <laughs> was like, oh, they're here. Oh, where's this going to go? <laughs> Like wow, New Jack can really still collect a paycheck in wrestling. <laughs> Yo, that's your friend, man. That's your friend, yeah, Tom. I mean, it's I. You know, <laughs> he's not my enemy. I'm happy no, to say, no. That would no. be a very scary thing to have him say. Actually, former Turned Out a Punk guest Jeff Cannonball wrestled New Jack recently. No shit. What do he say about it? Recent, like how recently? I think it was like Is he out of retirement four weeks ago, five weeks ago. He's out of retirement? Yeah, I think so. Oh, God. you like That guy's going to die in the ring. And I mean that in the, 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 the most beautiful way possible. I mean at the age of, like, 90. Wow. But, yeah. I really thought he was done. I don't know. You can't keep a... You can't... Have you seen his retirement match? No. It's on YouTube. It's, it's him and Necro Butcher, like, two years ago. Wow. I guess there might be a little bit of bloodshed in that match. He ends the match by coming off the top rope with dropping an elbow that is assisted by a chair, and the chair is covered in light tubes. 
and then he cuts a really long rambling promo about like um, picking up girls with Marty Jannetty, basically. <laughs> it's like there's an alternate reality where after Beyond the Mac comes out, he does become Denzel's best friend. <laughs> oh, he has presence. Like he's definitely like. Like, like your your eyes are drawn to him when he is in the ring, even if he's just like the guy sitting at the autograph table. Yeah, in the not in the ring. No, no. Well, that's like he he is uh, in that movie. There's that scene when they go to that casting when you're just like, this guy could make it. Like this could happen. And yeah, like, that was just that was bullshit. That was like obvious weird stage bullshit. But like, yeah, I'd watch a movie with New Jack in it. Like, sure. Oh God! In the second, if I was casting a movie, I wouldn't put New Jack in it. <laughs> I'd watch it. Uh, I, would I love... just watched. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you go on. Go on. Oh, I watched New Jack today. I'd never seen when uh, he fought Gypsy Joe. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's quite a thing. It's quite a spectacle. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think Gypsy Joe was whispering racist stuff in his ear? What's that? Was Gypsy Joe whispering racist stuff in his ear? Because that's what New Jack says, right? Oh, he might have said that at some point. I think it was just he didn't want to fight an old guy. And then, like, there were, somebody was like, oh, you won't have to take it easy on him. He's super tough. And, uh, and New Jack was just like, okay, I won't take it easy on him. Now watch me break five crutches over his seven-year-old man's head. He was doing commentary in the clip I watched, New Jack was, and he said Gypsy Joe gave him a headbutt to the nose. Okay. Like, oh. That's what really set him off. He's like, he's like, see, I'm still trying to work with him. And then after that was when he just launched him out of the ring and started beating him with chairs. And stuff. Is that the video where he goes through like his most infamous moments? All of them? Uh, like, it could be. This was like a compilation. So it had uh, Anoki versus Antonio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> by Bill Burr. Oh, and then they had uh, New Jack, Gypsy Joe, and then uh, one other clip. Oh, yeah. No, that uh, th- there's this one New Jack thing where it's just him going through, like, you know, the one where he stabs the guy in the ring. And <laughs> it's just like him going. I watched all those things so many times for, like, research. Like, I tracked down a video. You can't find it on YouTube, but I found it on some, like, Russian site or something of uh, the, the mass transit incident. Yeah, I used to have that from the RF video, did, like, a bloodiest moments in wrestling. Yeah, it's really, that's like watching a snuff film. It like, feels weird. It's really appalling. It feels weird. It's also, like, one of those moments where you're like, oh, this is, like, one of those worlds that's, like, kind of... Kind of like still underbellyish, <laughs> like. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, that that is uh, an intense video to watch. There's like, there's a couple. What's that one um, with Act, uh, the Japanese wrestler Act uh, from Stardom? Oh yeah, the oh, Joshi yeah. thing. Yeah, the Joshi thing. Yeah. We were going to talk to Nikki about. Yeah, we were supposed to yeah. talk to Nikki from Nothing about it. We didn't. He's going to come back on. We're going to talk all about it. But that. Yeah. Have you watched that ever? Any both of you? Yeah, Mickey actually sent that to me. Uh, it's insane. And talked about it. Yeah, that was crazy. It's it's and the way she keeps getting up to take more. Yeah. I oh wow, that's a hard video to watch. My favorite one is Great Sasuke against like some like BMX themed wrestler. 
who uh, would, would not, he was no selling everything. And Sasuke just fine. It's kind of like the Inoki thing where he just starts kicking him to death and then eventually puts a submission on him and basically puts him out. Wow. If that's, if that could still happen now, like if a wrestler could just get pissed off and shoot on another wrestler, like at any level, like, I don't think it could happen in WWE. Like, I don't think they have enough head cases like on staff (laughs) or whatever, but could it happen in like ring of honor or whatever? I'm sure it does, right? Like, you know, like, yeah. it, but we just don't know about it. Well, they give receipts and stuff, but something where it just completely loses control. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, what, what, what was the last one where someone's, like, completely lost? Like, I guess that, that stardom match. Yeah, that probably was the last one. The one that's, like, yeah. infamous that everyone talks about. And then, like, but it could very easily happen, like, at a, like, you know, like a... Like in a CZW death match, or yeah. like, you know, like, and you wouldn't know. Like, I saw Masada get a, a shoot tombstone onto a cinder block. That was crazy. It was so nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's like right, and it's just like that's that was planned. That was like all worked out. Like it's that's such an easy move to fake. You don't have to hit your head on it. <laughs> oh, wow! It's a uh... Yeah, like that's that's why wrestling's so awesome because it just is it, it exists on so many levels at all times. Did you ever see the piranha death match? Oh, they for, had like yeah. the aquarium in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> I Do want, they have real piranhas? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Wow. I've never seen that. There's also one that I used to see that isn't it's like the wrestling is is not good in it, but it's like a bunch of people wearing giant diapers full of bait fish and they're wrestling on, on a floating ring. That's like uh, only got ropes on three sides and they're wrestling like big wrestler guys who then will pick them up and slam them in the water where big sea cows will come up and start like trying to eat all the bait fish in their diapers. And so like these people are panicking because these big fish. How, how could anybody, was there an audience? Uh, there looked like there were spectators. I think Takeshi Miike might have been one of them too. If I'm not not oh. Takeshi Miike, uh, beat Takeshi. Sorry, oh. <laughs> uh, might have been one. Of them. Yeah, because he he he's like uh, the Man, analogy I've Japan. Well, the analogy I've heard for him is he's like the Howard Stern of Japan. If Howard Stern made like high art films too, his movies, <laughs> I love that guy's movies so much, and I don't understand any other part of his persona in the slightest. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like, like you know, like, and this is from someone who was like a big Japanese film fan. Was like, yeah, he's like a, you know, like just like a real populist kind of like personality there. Like, he's called Beat Takeshi because he used to, he he was part of this comedy duo, and he would always beat the other guy with like, <laughs> uh, like a little bat or a mallet or something. I've never seen this stuff. But this is what this guy told me, and so he's just like a super populist, like, like you know. Uh, you know, uh, like how I met your mother type comedy type figure in Japan who also makes these incredibly cerebral gangster films. Man, Japan is weird as shit. Japan's the coolest. (laughs) It is. I'm so glad we have their wrestling. It's like, imagine if Japan had weed. Oh my God. (laughs) That's a separate, that's right. That's for the other podcast. I'm sorry. That's, that's... (laughs) 
<laughs> you could you could do like half an hour on that. I would definitely like. Every time I'm in Japan, I'm like at a sushi place eating all this sushi, and I'm like, oh, imagine this with cannabis. Like, <laughs> <laughs> imagine this where cannabis wasn't a hundred dollars a gram. And uh, you ever Japan? You ever been to Japan on weed? <laughs> well, Matt Seidel certainly has. Oh yeah. Oh yep, yep. Want to get did. busted too? Like, uh, someone else did. Yeah, like really recently. Wow, because Matt Seidel's just out of jail now. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he ended up going to jail, but he was like kicked out. Matt Seidel, they actually detained for like yeah. <laughs> three months, right? Like it's it's no joke in Japan. Yeah. Um, and now Matt Seidel, I guess we're never going to see him again in a New Japan m- match or or DDT or anything. That's too bad. But yeah. anyway, speaking of uh, weed, I'm really hungry right now. <laughs> so. Not even for weed-related reasons. I'm just hungry, and I can't eat on the podcast. So I'm going to say uh, we should probably call this one. I agree. But, Bob, this has been awesome. Anytime you want to come yeah. back, please. Oh, yeah. I would love to. Uh, and anytime you would have me back, I'm down. Oh, God. Get ready for some phone calls. Sounds good, man. Do You uh, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, Nope. <laughs> just, uh, yeah. No, not at all. You, you, all right. Watch uh, New Japan. Watch Ring of Honor. <laughs> watch Lucha Underground. You know, we got to start a wrestling band. <laughs> yeah. Like Ultra, like Ultraman is black, but with non wrestlers or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. And uh, I guess if uh, you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Tom Bryan. Damien is at Left for Damien. And are you going to post this before you head out on tour? Yeah, I'm posting this. Uh, this will be posted in a couple of days. So, yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All next week, Damien is on tour up and down the eastern seaboard of the United States. And I will be there for the DC show on Tuesday. Yep. You, uh, Jason Hemacher, uh Dante. From Ignition and Iron Cross and Alec Mackay from uh, Faith and Untouchables and The Warmers and like, you know, a lot of other stuff, obviously. I'll be the I'll be the guy who isn't in any bands and talking about wrestling on the stage, I guess. We gotta figure that out. We will figure it out. Well, we're gonna figure it out. We gotta figure out a wrestling guest, but we'll figure that out. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll I, uh, hopefully, maybe even here for you'll, we'll see you next week, maybe. Yeah, if you live in DC, buy tickets. Go to DamienAbraham.com. There's a tour taupe live tab. Click on it, and if you're in you know Boston, DC, Philadelphia, or New York City, Turn Out a Punk is coming to you with great guests, including Tom Bryan. Hey. There you go. So we do it. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.